You're listening to the Viral Volley Podcast Podcast. Now here's your host, Rob, on the mic. Hey, good day, everyone. I'm Rob Espero with the Viral Volley Podcast with David Hunt of Pepperdine University, Dan Friend of Lewis, and Jay Hosick of George Mason. All playoff bound. If Actually, Dan's already deep into his, so to speak. So uh, great win for him this last weekend. But hey, a lot of action here in our our week 13 of College Volleyball Weekly, uh, Men's Division 1-2 edition. So what matches caught your eyes this last week in week uh, 13? And we'll start with you, Dave Hunt, on the West Coast. Yeah, there are two matches, actually. Uh, I thought UCLA coming out with the lineup that we saw a little bit against Grand Canyon with Kevin Cobrine opposite and uh, Cole the Canadian. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Jinsky. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, at outside hitter, I thought that was a pretty powerful lineup for him, a good serving lineup. And then uh, Ball State upsetting, or I don't know if it was an upset. Technically, it was an upset because uh, Ohio State was ranked below them. But just, you know, with Joel in his last season, every match, you know, might be his last. So that's sort of a, a feel-good story as they make a run in the MIVA playoffs. Oh, speaking of running in the MIVA, let's go to Dan Friend, who could be coming across a Ball State team eventually. Uh, what's happening what are your choices? Well, yeah, so, certainly uh, Ball State was one. I, I thought that was uh, – they came off a five-game win at McKendree the week before, and so they uh, got the opportunity to host that first round at home against uh, Ohio State, and they took care of business in four. The other one was McKendree and Purdue-Fort Wayne. Those guys went five, and uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne, I thought, had them on the ropes, and McKendree stayed them off in the fifth game, and – uh, we're able to get that win. And so I thought that was pretty key for McKendry. And uh, those guys are headed uh, up to Loyola uh, this weekend. Yep. All right, Jay. How about you? Some of the matches that caught your eye this last week in week 13. I, I think the Ball State story is pretty cool. I mean, they're they're in Joel's last season. And, you know, they, they have not beaten Ohio State since 1997 in the MEBA playoffs. I mean, granted, you know, they didn't meet them every single year. But, but when they did, you know, Ohio State had their number. And so hats off to Joel and his crew for uh for getting a win on that one and then how about and we might talk about it later how about uh the team that i called the dark horse in the conference carolinas belmont abbey coming yeah. up uh here against north greenville coming up in the semis that's going to be unreal so uh looking forward to that match now as a backpedal a little bit but uh dan dealing with the now emotional factor for ball state do you prepare your team differently in the event you play them just out of curiosity from a non-coach non-athlete uh, perspective? No, uh, there's no, there's no change. We're just, we got to go play and we got to go win. And our guys don't need any motivation to go play ball state or practically anybody in conference. They just want to beat everybody. Uh, and so there's no, Hey, somebody's last season. And I, I agree with Jay's comments just about, it's pretty cool is he's got his group playing pretty well, but from our side, they're the next opponent in front of us. And that's how our guys are treating it, and they want to play great. So I, I think that's more reflection of Dan, right? When he says, like, they want to beat everybody. I really think that's coming from the head coach. <laughs> He's projecting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just By guessing. Way, I'm not in his gym, but I'm just guessing. By the way, kudos on Dan looking all fresh and crispy there with that hairdo and a, and a freshly shaved beard. I mean, you're looking fantastic, old man. Do you have frosted <laughs> tips or is that gray hair? 
That's just a little frosted gray from your sunlight coming in on my face, guys. Well, I don't know if you saw Jeff Alzina from the AVP broadcast this summer. When I saw him for the first time video with a frosted beard, I started calling him Volley Gandalf. But you can actually be Volley Gandalf now, Dan, because I've been seeing you more regularly. <laughs> hey, I want to get back to volleyball and ask, years. What's that? I said, maybe in about 15 years, we can get to Gandalf stage. <laughs> right now, you're sort of that 1990s in sync boy band look going on on my screen. Oh, gosh. Uh, that's, that's even worse. I'll go back to Gandalf, please. <laughs> all right, all right. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to bounce this question off of uh, Dave Hunt since he's drinking, and I'm going to interrupt his drink right there. But, you know, with what happened with the, the UCLA BYU series, what is making UCLA so successful against BYU? Um, yeah, I mean, UCLA, when they serve the ball well, they're real tough to, to beat. We, we experienced that uh, the first time we played them at their place. You know, they, in the two, I mean, they end up beating us in five. Two of those sets weren't even close um, because they got hot from the service line. Austin and, and Kevin, or not Kevin, but Sam Cobrine um, mm-hmm. were real good. And BYU, you know, you get them off the net and, you know, their offense slows down, everything slows down, and it's just, Anytime you have to side out against two and three blockers over time, it gets tough for anybody. And yeah. um, UCLA serving puts you in those situations. Now, the question is, you know, going up to Provo, can they do that? You know, can they sustain that over a long period of time? Who knows? Um, when they played uh, BYU to start the year, it was a little bit funky. Both or G, GCU had played UCLA already. So UCLA had a match under their belt. BYU didn't. And then Will Stanley was out. And then when Will Stanley came back, I mean, BYU clobbered them so I'm I'm not quite sure that it's one of those things where it's hey they got their number or they know how to play them it's just UCLA can serve the ball well and that beats a lot of teams regardless of uh whether they're conference opponents or not you know I want to piggyback on that real quick you know for all the people out there that are talking about why does you know this team or that team go after with their serves and you have so many service errors that's what you have to do. I mean, you, you can't put lollipops over the net with any top team and expect to be successful. I know that the stat that everybody throws around is, you know, just getting the ball over the net, you win 33% of those points because of whatever reason. That's true. You know, when you're scrapping and you've got a free ball ball over, it's better to put it in play and, and try to, you know, play defense around and maybe get a stuff block or a dig and transition it. But when you're going serve receive style, you got a bomb. And a lot of teams live and die by that. And you're seeing a perfect example of what Dave's talking about UCLA. When they're serving the ball well, one of the best teams in the country, they can beat anybody. But that's true for a lot of teams that have guys that can bomb it from the inland. And when they're having a good night, look out. Yep. Sorry, I'm popcorning questions around, but things are popping up in my head as I, I talk with you guys. But I noticed that Luke Denton was not in the lineup this last weekend. Is that correct uh, uh, for uh, Loyola? Yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't text the loyal staff or ask them so i figured i'd just wait and see maybe if he popped back in the lineup uh this week and went but he's a pretty key piece for them yeah uh lindenwood took it took a game off of them and uh they went four and i i think they had devlin jolson and colton brooks both in there and so uh certainly a guy they've been riding all season long that's had some great numbers and luke denton and so hopefully he's able to get back on the court for them so. Yeah, they've been a two-piece puzzle. They've been pretty, pretty strong in Cole Schlotthauer and Luke Denton. So it's a shocker to look at the boxes and not see his name in the, in the stat line. So um, let's go to our next question of the week, which is what teams or athletes really stuck out performance-wise and why? And we'll start again with Dave on the West Coast. 
Yeah, for me, it was Kevin Cobrine for, for UCLA. Now he's played the last two matches or last three matches for them. Uh, four, I guess, total with both BYU matches. And it's just, yeah, he's going to be a handful on the right side for them. And if he plays on the right and Cole plays on the left, that's that's some pretty physical guys on the pins. They already have a lot of talent, uh, but now they're they're getting more physicality out there on the court, which makes it tough. Yep. Let's jump to Jay on this one. I'm going to go with Michael Fisher at St. Francis. They're in the playoffs right now against West Virginia, uh, Charleston, West Virginia. I think the last time I checked, he has 148 attempts per match for the season so far. Uh, I think he's getting sponsored by, uh, by Kinesio tape and Ben Gay. Uh, and the kid's shoulder is just robotic. Uh, so, you know, anybody, we, every team that's good out there knows they have one guy that can, that can carry the load, but Holy smokes, man, the guy literally, is taking 50 to 60 attempts per match. Uh, and yeah, that's not even close to what most guys are taking. Yeah. I mean, Brett Favre doing those copper fit commercials next year. I heard with the name image <laughs> yeah. and likeness stuff. I think he'll be right on that. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I mean, the guy's just got a monster arm. It's unreal. Yep. All right. You Dan close it out. Uh, I had two guys. Uh, so Quinn Isaac on the bull state game uh, led his team to a 388 hitting percentage and uh, I think he had 13 digs in the match, uh, 53 assists. Uh, I think uh, ultimately he's in the top five, I think, in the country in assists per game. And Ball State's, I, I believe, top five in kills per game. Uh, they're up there, which is their hitting percentage in the highs, but they certainly dig balls and create opportunities for swings, which is going to create more kills. And uh, yeah. The other guy I was going to throw some love to was uh, Comas Fran Francisco from uh, McKendree. He had 21 digs in that five-game win. Uh, which is pretty key to those guys uh, wrapping that up. So, And you guys play Ball State this week, is that correct? Play Ball State Saturday at 7 o'clock at our place, correct. So so from what I've watched on them, they're almost the opposite. You know, they, they serve the ball in and they look to block and defend you. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, they got a couple guys that can bring it. Like, there's three jumpers, so it depends on what yeah. Quinn's doing. He can jump or float, but Blake and uh, – Caleb are both jumping all the time and Bryce the other outside. So, but they do a good yeah. job of keeping the ball on you, even when they're jumping. Uh, yeah. And you know, just gotta, gotta manage that. Uh, yeah. Sure. That, I mean, that's one of the things as I look at those stats and we were talking about UCLA uh, being good on their serve and relying on that serve almost it's, it's interesting to see some other teams where they're having success, but I mean, it's all about the pieces you have in your gym and Felix put up some uh, ungodly block numbers. What was it? Two weeks ago. But I think that's that's a function that you can't have, be up there and block per set if you're you just don't have that many opportunities or you're getting a lot of free balls. So, yeah, well, they de Ball State's definitely got the, a pretty good pin attack. Blake Reardon and Caleb Janess. So, you know, they had double digit kills this weekend against Ohio State. But man, I, you know, their setters at uh, Isaacson, 53 assists, 13 digs, great double double and a big win for obviously Ball State against Ohio State. Um Let's jump into, actually, I was going to go to next week's action because uh, it was at two of the four conferences that started playoffs, and we'll definitely go into that. But, um, you know, the uh, ABCA poll came out this week and uh, was curious on your guys' thoughts on it before we start going into the playoffs. Uh, um, you know, very little shifting. Um, <laughs> my team fell out of the, the, the uh, top 15 for the first time in a long time, so uh, it's kind of a shocker for me to see. I think it was 2016, but... Uh, um, there's a little bit of shifting going on. And as we've been talking about since we've uh, started the season is 
the polls can't really look at, but you know, some teams are definitely doing some movement and some things are, some teams are staying right where they're supposed to be being undefeated like Hawaii. But uh, let's start with Dan on this one on the thoughts on the poll that came out this week. I think we've said it before, but the top eight or nine um, are all in kind of the same boat, except for Hawaii, Hawaii separated. So, but you saw UCLA beat BYU and, whoever's ranking could shift some of those spots between I even think BYU two through seven at any given time. Penn state's been doing great things. You got uh, long beach in there. You got Pepperdine in there, you know, Pepperdine hasn't been able to play the past couple of weeks. Hopefully they'll get back on this weekend. And so all those teams are kind of intermingling. And I thought you saw ball state make a little move with a, a good win against Ohio state. And that's that next tier of, of teams that's somewhere around nine to 15. And there's a couple teams right outside of the 15 that could be in there. And so I don't think the polls that way off. Certainly you could say, Hey, you know, maybe long Beach is two or, Hey, you know, Lewis should be at seven or I, I don't know. But I think the, the poll itself is a pretty good representation of the body of work that's being played out there. Right. Yep. Let's go to uh, Jay on this night on this end. I think Dan nailed it. Polls are pretty spot on. If you ask me, maybe there's a, a spot up or down, you could argue, but I mean, most of the guys that, that are doing this are they're doing a good job. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked on where it is. I think it's fine. Yep. And then anything to add there, Dave? No, I, it's getting to that awkward part of the season, right? Where we're, we're in playoffs, teams are going to start losing. I mean, there's just not going to be that many teams playing here pretty soon. I mean, we're going to go, we have two makeup matches this weekend. Most MPSF teams aren't playing. And then, our playoff is three straight days. I mean, by next weekend, the season's over for the MPSF, right? So it's it's just an awkward time. I think it's just teams sort of are where we are. We know where there is that line of, you know, like Dan hit on the head in terms of two through nine, maybe could shift anywhere around. But yeah, now it's going to be uh, some pretty important volleyball to be played here. Yep. Well, I actually skipped out of one conference. That's a conference I'm residing in. <laughs> there were actually a couple of matches this last week. UC Irvine, UC Santa Barbara had a bye week, and uh, Cal State Northridge played uh, uh, Hawaii at their gym. And then you had uh, UCSD. I'm sorry. Let me let me jump back here. Uh, Long Beach State at CSUN. You, uh, oh, my gosh. I'm jumping way too far ahead here. Hawaii at CSUN, Long Beach State at UC San Diego took care of business both nights. And, you know, from that, you have Rado Parapunov, the ABCA Player of the Week, who had great numbers this week. And there's a discussion that uh, Coburn could have been in the discussion as well because of the upset of BYU. But I definitely want to touch on the Big West because of all matches that are remaining. The only two conferences with the remaining matches are the MPSF. You also have the Concordia GCU, which I believe is a makeup. Is that correct, David? Yeah. Uh, like me? Yeah, GCU and yeah, yeah, yeah. GCU and Concordia. And then your uh, guys is up a the one from earlier. Yeah. So yeah, everyone else is off. We had tried to we this was a built-in bye week to either let you get healthy or uh to have you make up matches if you miss. Yeah. So yeah. with that, uh we're touching on the uh big west, let's go into this coming week's schedule. Um half the half the uh, conferences are in playoffs. We know that uh last night uh, a pair of conference Carolina matches. Number five, King, uh, took down number four, Barton, 3-0. And uh, number six, uh, Emmanuel, or correction, number three, NGU, took down Emmanuel, 3-0. Um, for the rest of the week, you have UCSB at UC San Diego times two, and then Long Beach at Northridge and UCI at Hawaii times two. So beyond that, um, what matches are you guys watching this week that are either playoffs or 
the remainder of the regular season for the Big West, basically. Let's start with Jay. Uh, you know, I'm going to be watching St. Francis in Charleston, West Virginia. Uh, they both split their season series 2-2, two, uh, two, two, and they both won both matches at the other guy's house, which I think can be uh, can be talked about a little bit. But it's at St. Francis, which uh, is also a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a change because there were some matches in the last weekend of play of, of conference play that could have maybe made a change or made a difference. But that seems to be working in Charleston's favor if they won both those matches out there. So I think the last time I heard Michael Fisher is going to have 138 attempts at that match coming up. Just, you know, throwing it out there. Uh, I'll be watching that match. And again, Barton Abbey, my dark horse call for the year at Conference Carolina is going up against North Greenville, Fred Battenfield's team. Uh, <laughs> that is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, North Greenfield is 0-2 on the year on, uh, on, on Belmont Abbey. But uh, don't be surprised if Fred's team doesn't come up with maybe a squeaker here. I, something tells me they might be able to pull something out of the hat. So those are the two matches I'll be watching the most. Well, Jay, while you're talking, I'm going to throw on your sacred heart at George Mason. Uh, most teams play each other four times. You had two COVID cancellations, so you only saw them twice, but you took both of them. Um, any thoughts on your matchup? Just win? Friday night at 7 o'clock. It's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Dan. I don't know what to watching. say. I'm not, I'm not going to give you any I'm not going to give you any scouting report. I'm not going to tell you we're going to beat them out, right? I'm not telling you we're going to lose. Just, it's going to be at 7 o'clock, everyone. Check it out. <laughs> that's the most boring thing i've ever heard you say right like out of all people <laughs> not say those things you come on you're not gonna hashtag some kind of political yeah, yeah. social movement right now jay <laughs> oh no no I, I i might play golf today maybe who knows I, if, it, if the rain holds off but no to, to be honest so is that you, a comment is that a comment on what you think about sacred art that you're gonna go play golf instead of practice oh, oh, I'm gonna go oh, to more material. yeah that's good oh, i like that that's over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to watch any film. I'm just gonna golf. Here we go. You know, you're, if you don't think we've already prepared well enough and already gotten this match in our brains as we have to take care of business, you guys are way mistaken. Hey, no, the I'm thing, gonna... the thing that needs to be investigated is Jay. I texted him about this this weekend. Masters was on. He conveniently doesn't have matches, but I'm all about you golfing. The lower your handicap goes, mine's going up. So that means that when we play, I'm getting more strokes. So you keep going you doing out. A little you're doing a little handicap management, are you? You're just whacking the no, woods no, everywhere. No, I got to work here. I got to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, while we're on EIVA tournament, uh, just released, I saw on social, was the EIVA all-conference teams. Uh, uh, a lot of good names represented. And as, as expected, with the uh, COVID season, there it was a lot larger of a team. At least it appeared to me. Maybe that's the, the normal protocol for the EIVA. But I was excited to see a lot of the guys, a lot of Penn State guys on their NGIT. And uh, Coach of the Year, Danny Concalvis, NGIT. So congratulations to him and all the uh, all-conference honorees. So with well, that, I'm going to transition over to uh, Dan over the Amoeba, who also released their team. And he wasn't the Coach of the Year this year. But uh, instead, <laughs> Nikki Sandlin and McCandry got it. Another quality team with uh, Ryan Coonan. One of his outsides getting the honors again, along with Tyler Mitchum. So uh, go ahead and talk about what's happening in the Amoeba on playoffs. And then if you want to chime in on the uh, all-conference team. Well, certainly, uh, Nikki had a great year and uh, is a great representation of the Amoeba. Uh, I think they, you know, the highest they've ever been ranked, highest finish they've had. So congrats to Nikki and her squad. Uh, and, yeah, there's we had a couple guys represented on the all-conference, as well as there were a lot of good players that were on the – uh, first team and second team. And so a lot of those guys were even uh, 
COVID guys coming back. So it's great to see those guys honored uh, and be able to complete this year's of volleyball, which has uh, uh, been fantastic. So, and then with the tournament, uh, we've got Ball State coming into our place and we've talked a lot about them and they're playing well, last two wins and certainly Joel's last season. And uh, so we're excited to have those guys come in and looking for a high level of, uh, I think, block defense volleyball for sure between both sides. Uh, and then you got McHenry going to Loyola. Uh, key match there and is Luke Denton back on the floor and uh, McKendry lost both times going to Loyola last time. So does me, how does McKendry respond when they go into Loyola's gym and uh, coming off that five set, five set three hour match they had with Purdue Fort Wayne and probably a good thing they had the whole week, you know, just to get settled and recovered and back at it uh, against Loyola. And I'm with Jay though, like the match, I'm, I want to see North Green and North Greenville and Belmont Abbey. I think that'll be a great match. I think, I think Mount Olive is going to edge King. You know, maybe King's got, you know, King played pretty well in one and three, and they might be able to have some for Mount Olive. Uh, but uh, I think uh, Mount Olive is going to be in the finals uh, against, I might have to go with Jay in North Greenville. I think I'm going to go along with that in the finals on that. So, and then the last one I want to talk about is Pepperdine's back on the court at Stanford, you know, the, the save you know, 37 sports strong thing, just, you know, all that stuff going on and talked about fans. And I think that's a, that's going to be a big match and it's a big match for Pepperdine, you know, in terms of getting back on the court and, you know, that at large piece and all those things we talk about a little bit and UCLA came on for win of BYU. And uh, so I'm eager to see those guys back on playing against the Stanford team. Well, it's actually an excellent transition to Dave and the MPSF because, uh, the seedings, at least for the top four, have been determined. Uh, but there's still the was it the four, five, six that needs or a five, six, seven that need to be determined. But uh, before we go to that, I want you to talk about the matches you'll be watching this week. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that that's sort of been interesting is Long Beach State's playing some good volleyball. When I watched them play against San Diego, but they got uh, the backup setter is in, and the big German guy isn't playing opposite. So. I wonder why that is, uh, you know, they have God bold at, at opposite. Do they think he's better? I don't know, but it's, yeah, that'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. As, as they keep moving forward. So I'm, I'm interested to watch that. And I'm interested to watch Irvine uh, play Hawaii. Uh, they played, what was it? Three matches right off the bat early. Yep. Was it three? Yeah. So just trying to see the improvement there and see, see what changes are made. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we got, we got two matches and then a few days in between, and then we get on the road for our conference tournament. So, yeah. well, in regards to the long beach, I, I, I feel like that with uh, Alan, he's getting really good production and leadership from Ethan Siegfried, who's playing the uh, OH two position. Um, yep. And Godbold has been playing really good at the outside and Spencer Olivier has really found himself ever since that Hawaii weekend. I feel like he stepped up as his uh, match play uh, that weekend because in that, I guess it was, you know, we all know there's some animosity that happened and got everyone going and uh, he had some really good numbers. So I think he liked what he saw there um, with Ryan pool setting. He's just been amazing. You know, someone they've trained an outside hitter, a trained outside hitter coming in and, and setting. So, and as Al said in the last uh, two weeks ago or yeah, one week ago was uh, is because assistant coach did a great job of training uh, Ryan Poole, the Englishman. So um, good stuff there. Yeah, and as far as like for uh, the Irvine Hawaii series, I'm curious what uh, NIF's going to come out with this weekend. So you haven't seen a, a stable lineup there that's really um, you know been consistent, even from the Oppo perspective. We've been seeing Bulls and Sakanda trading. Then you've been seeing 
Francesco Sani there. And when's the know, last time we did see a consistent Irvine lineup, though? <laughs> I mean, Nif, Nif's been doing that since the last four years. Come on. <laughs> so definitely going to be uh, keeping an eye on that as well. But I wanted to talk about the MPSF tournament situation because the, the top four seeds have been established. But what's happening with that tail end there? Because there's still a battle to determine who your opponents are going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, I have no idea. I think it has to do with whether G, uh, Concordia goes and wins at GCU and, you know, Gianni didn't play so last weekend. So is Gianni going to play this? I mean, who knows? But the reality is, yeah, well, we're going to play whoever. Uh, the most likely scenario is that USC uh, plays Grand Canyon and then we'll see what happens, whether Stanford is seven or six. I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, just from looking at the numbers, because then if teams tie, it wins, then it goes to overall win percentage and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Well, gosh, you guys are like just killing it on the segues because as I talk about the Big West Conference and although the playoffs haven't started, and I definitely want to want you guys to chime in on this as well. But um, Hawaii clinched the uh, regular season title with its two wins over CSUN this last weekend. Uh, number two seed is what can be in contention, assuming that. Santa Barbara and Long Beach win the rest of their series. Then it goes to tiebreak and they split. So um, both matches they played were three, one either way in the series. So it's going to go to points from there, which means you see Santa Barbara edges Long Beach state 187 to 181 or a 1.033 to 0.968 advantage in the uh, seating wise. Um, so now we're, we're talking NCAA tournament consideration. How big is that going to be, that point differential <laughs> and getting into the NCAA tournament? And that's that situation, feel free to comment. So uh, My comment would be they're, they're going to play in the semifinals anyway if they're two and three. So what, what becomes big is if all of a sudden, I don't know, if one of them get beat in the first round, and then they're, I think they're out. You know what I mean in terms of that, yeah. but they're going to play in the semifinals no matter what at two and three. If for, I I don't think either one of them can slide down to four, correct? Where they're on the other side of the semifinals, right? Right. So that, to me, it really doesn't matter. I think they both got to secure those two spots. They play in the semifinals, and I think that becomes a big deal from that standpoint. So, and the big deal is whoever's going to see CSUN in the semis, nor in the first round for that matter. Northridge is a team that everybody's not talking about. But they're doing some really nice things there, uh, and I I would not want to find them across the net for me in any of those playoff situations. Yep. Anything else to yeah. add there, David? No, I I think this year you know we've talked about the lack of cross pollination or whatever it is. In reality, I think what it does is it gives the committee it takes out all those BS like well you played four non conference matches on the road and two here and here was. The reality is we're going to know who the best teams are in conference by the end of the playoffs because they're all going to play each other, hopefully. And if you don't get to a match where you get to play, then that's the big knock against you, right? If we lose in the first round, you know, if somebody's looking at us in UCLA, but we lose in the first round, then we shouldn't be in consideration. That's, that's just the reality of it. So I think you almost look at these conference tournaments as their own play-ins or their own brackets, right? Like the West Regional and all that. That's mm -hmm. the people's opportunity to, to play into those. Yep. Well, uh, just to close it out, uh, UC Irvine is playing in Hawaii this weekend. Then they stay out there the entire time until the Big West Tournament, which is going to be hosted at the Simplify Stan Sheriff Center Arena, something like that. So um, 
Hey, uh, before we ended though, I wanted to see if you guys had anything else to add on that I may have missed. I've been digging through all the stuff this week and uh, wanted to be sure that we, we've, we've dotted our I's and crossed our T's. So uh, anything else we need to mention this week? Nope, no one's uh, big wins, right? Uh, not, not about big wins. This is the last weekend that Stanford will possibly play in their, in their campus. Uh, and that needs to be talked about. And, yeah. and, you know, hopefully to save 36 sports at Stanford, somebody comes up with an idea that makes it feasible for them to come back. But if not, this is the last weekend that Stanford's ever going to play men's volleyball on their campus. And it's an extremely sad moment. So, um, you know, that, that needs to be brought up. Yeah. Well, there, was, there was a meeting, there was a meeting yesterday, I thought was something yeah. that I read off of Furbringers. Does anybody know anything about that? Yeah, the article I read this morning said that, you know, the, there's a, the door has been left open or there's a crack, you know, left open in terms of the 36 sports strong, the representation of that group, the president of the university wanted to meet with them. And I guess he's got a subcommittee, athletic subcommittee uh, that's together. The thing that, that I, I keep just wondering, and, and obviously if they can save Stanford men's volleyball, that's awesome. That's the, that's the bottom line, but what have they done to these sports in terms of what does the future look like for these sports for the next four years with no recruiting class this year, no quality recruiting class in 22, you know, now you're looking at, you know, are some of these kids just disgruntled at the university at the treatment and all this, like, I think you've set these programs back, you know, five years, if they decide that they're going to keep them, it's just like, you couldn't have had these conversations earlier. What the hell? You know, and it just shows a lack of lack of foresight. Well, I was talking to uh, Charlie Ekstrom of Stanford Beach last night, and she was, you know, talking about the the, the uh, eleven thirty six sports strong movement, and she is indicating that as of you know recently, they've raised up to twenty eight to thirty million dollars just on their own from from alumni and and contributors mm-hmm. in the community, and then teams like wrestling, one of the sports has canceled. They got a national championship this year. They've had incredible seasons. Lacrosse, all these teams are doing phenomenal. So, um, and the, the donations continue to come in. So it'd be kind of not wise to shut the door on these programs, so to speak. So it's definitely something that I'm hoping that our listeners and fans can, can jump on is uh, Save Stanford uh, Sports. You know, they are, uh, you know, they've been one of the most powerful powerhouses athletically in the nation and uh, nothing but uh, high caliber people from there. We know from working with them, playing against them and seeing them in the Olympics and professional sports and just in, in their professional occupations. So um, be sure to check out Save Stanford's, that the movement there at Hashtag go, uh, uh, and support the causes, contribute if you can and uh, you know, watch them this week too as well. You know, like Jay was saying, could be the last time we see them. So want to support that crew, Costi and his, his, his crew up there up north and um, you know, it just, it's unfortunate if this all goes through the way that Stanford is hoping it does, but uh, hopefully we can see more volleyball, more other sports uh, at Stanford. Um, hey, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough again for your time this week. Good luck in your matches as we all enter the playoff part of the season. Uh, this COVID year, it's been awkward and weird and a lot of adju- adjusting and adapting, but I think in the end, we're going to see some really good volleyball and um, you'll see some teams going at it with all they've got. So, Uh, Gentlemen, look forward to speaking with you next week. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Viral Volley Podcast podcast. 
Be sure to follow Rob at Rob on the Mic on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or at RobOnTheMic.com. Check you next time.
Hey y'all, thanks for listening to today's episode of the Viral Volley Podcast Podcast. Be sure to follow Rob at Rob on the Mic on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or at RobOnTheMic.com. Check you next time.